just for a moment. I promise to make my comments brief. But uh, I want to read a couple of verses in your hearing. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says simply, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And so that means very simply that if you're really a Christian, you can't be just the same person that you used to be. It's going to bring about a huge, massive, life-changing, world-shaking transformation in your life. Everybody said amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. These are the words of Paul the Apostle. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul is making it clear here that the people who are normal people in this world will not inherit the kingdom of God. People who uh, worship other gods, people who have sexual relationships outside of marriage, people who uh, engage in sexual activity before they're married, people who are effeminate and abusers of themselves with mankind. All of these people will not be a part of the kingdom of God. But look at the next verse. It says, and such were some of you. As Paul writes to the church in Corinth, the uh, city of Corinth was a, an immoral city. And the, the Apostle Paul says, this list describes a lot of you that are here and listening to this passage being read, church of Corinth. He said, such were some of you, but ye were washed. You were sanctified. That means you were cleansed and set apart for God's purpose. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The Apostle Paul says these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. But guess what? The church is made up of people that used to be just like that. But they've been washed and they've been sanctified. They've been changed and they've been transformed. Amen. I'm going to talk to you just for a few moments about a vision for life. Tomorrow, many of you will not have to go to school. Some of you that work for the government won't have to go to work because of a celebration called Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Martin Luther King Jr. was born January 15, 1929, and uh, he was assassinated April the 4th, 1968, which if my math serves me right, he was only 39 years of age when uh, his life was snuffed out. Uh, he attended segregated public schools in Georgia, which means, if you don't understand, that means that the white children went to one school and the black children, the African-American children, went to different schools. And he graduated from high school in the South at age 15. He received his uh, bachelor's degree in 1948 from Morehouse College and went to Boston University and uh, uh, received a doctorate in 1953. That's where he met Coretta Scott, who became his wife. And he had two sons and two daughters, four children. And uh, so this very successful, attractive individual began to speak out about something that was very important to him. 
uh, in early December 1955, he accepted the leadership of the first great black nonviolent demonstration of contemporary times in the United States, the bus boycott. Uh, and it was uh, uh, in his this presentation, uh, and the boycott lasted 382 days. And on December 21st, 1956, the Supreme Court of the United States declared the laws that required segregation on buses was unconstitutional. And from that day forward, blacks and whites rode on the buses as equals in the South. And during these days of boycott, Martin Luther King was arrested. His home was bombed. He was subjected to personal abuse and attack. Uh, but at the same time, he emerged as uh, one of the top black leaders. In 1957, he was elected to the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, an organization that was formed to provide leadership for the civil rights movement. And the ideals for this organization came from Christianity, and it's called civil disobedience. And its techniques also came, had a lot of influence from Mahatma Gandhi. And in the 11-year period between 1957 and 1968, King traveled over 6 million miles and spoke over 2,500 times, appearing wherever there was injustice, protest, and action. And meanwhile, he wrote five books as well as numerous articles. In these years, he led a massive protest in Birmingham, Alabama, that caught the attention of the entire world, providing what he called a collection of conscience. And uh, this event is what inspired his letters from a Birmingham jail, uh, which was a manifesto of the Civil Rights Revolution. He planned the drives in Alabama for the registration of blacks as voters. He directed the peaceful march on Washington, D.C., of 250,000 people who came together peacefully to protest the uh, civil rights injustices. And that's where he delivered his famous speech, I Have a Dream. I believe I can show you a little short clip of uh, this speech that some of you may have seen during the countdown. Do you have that ready? In this one of the most well-known and compelling speeches in uh, American history was a, a very interesting speech because it laid out a dream or a vision of a preferred future that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as well as others could envision. They were dissatisfied with things the way that they were. They refused to just accept the status quo. But they envisioned a preferred future where there would be equality and where racism would be in uh, decline and uh, where we would be one nation, one group of people under God. And at the, uh, 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 after this, or, or during uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's time of influence, he was arrested 
around 20 times, and he was physically assaulted at least four times. And he was awarded five honorary degrees. He was named the Man of the Year by Time Magazine 1963. And at the age of 35, he was the youngest man to ever receive the Nobel Peace Prize. And uh, he turned over the prize money of $54,000 to the Civil Rights Movement. And on the evening of April 4, 1968, while he was standing on the balcony of his motel room in Memphis, Tennessee, where he was to lead a protest march in sympathy with striking garbage workers of the city, he was assassinated and shot. And uh, the story of Martin Luther King is fascinating to me because as such a young man, he was able to clearly articulate a vision of a preferred future. And uh, he was dissatisfied with things the way that they were. He said things need to change. And believe me, things needed to change. Things desperately needed to change. And the change that has happened has been to the betterment of our nation and of our society and our culture. And because of that, I think it is in order, whatever your political persuasion or viewpoint is, that uh, we can give honor to someone who had a vision for a preferred future to the betterment of America and was willing to stand up for that at the threat of abuse, violence, jail, and eventually his assassination. So why don't we just give a hand to the memory of this person? I believe it's God's will for a church and for us as individuals to live a life with vision. Vision is something that will not allow you to just accept things the way that they are. But vision recognize that there are, recognizes that there are shortcomings, that there are faults, that there are errors that need to be addressed. And people who live with no vision never get any better. They never move forward and they never progress. Vision is about what could be and about what should be. It's the ability to stand right here in the here and now in the present and observe everything that's around you, the reality that you're living in, and say, I believe that there is a better way. I believe there's a better way for me or for the organization that I'm a part of. And anybody that's ever done anything worthwhile, whether it's forming a, a business or a nonprofit or a charity or accomplished anything of any value, they've had to be people of vision that refuse to just accept things the way that they are. The problem is vision is about what could be and should be, but life is about what's happening right this minute. And oftentimes our lives are so consumed with the present that we forget vision. The urgent and legitimate needs of today erase our commitments to what could be tomorrow. And rather than tomorrow being what it could be, tomorrow ends up being exactly what today was. And uh, I want to share with you briefly that there is a vision for Life Church. We're not here just to be another church on the corner. We're not here just to be a place where people who want to can gather together. Jesus said it this way. He said, Peter, upon this rock, or the rock being the statement that Peter made about thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, the reality of who Jesus is. Jesus is the foundation or the cornerstone of the rock of the church. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. 
And so God's plan is for the church to move forward. God's plan is for the church to make progress on hell. That means the kingdom of the enemy. Satan whose desire is to turn people's attention and commitment away from Jesus Christ and to live their lives devoid of any spiritual appetite and hunger and lifestyle. Satan works night and day to kill, steal, and to destroy and to wear out the saints of the living God. But I want to tell you today that the promise of God's word is is that the church will not be stopped by hell. The church will move forward and the church will take new territory. And there are people, are you with me right now? Can you see it? There are people in our community today that are living their lives wrapped up in their careers or wrapped up in pleasure, wrapped up in illicit relationships uh, who have no interest in God, no interest in the things of God. But the kingdom is moving forward. And in this next year, 2011, there are going to be people that walk through the doors of this church, uh, maybe invited by a friend, maybe encouraged to come by someone. Maybe they just walked in and didn't even know why they were walking into this building. And the Spirit of God is going to get a hold of them. And hell's going to lose territory. And the kingdom of God is going to move forward. We're building the church. We're building the kingdom of God. And I want to just share with you a little bit of our vision for Life Church. I'm not going to be exhaustive for the sake of time. I told you I would be 15 minutes and we're going to do that. But uh, one, one thing that I want you to understand about Life Church is it's a little different from uh, every other church on every other corner. And I'm not standing here to say, oh, our church is better than their church. I just want to share with you one of the driving forces behind who we are and why we do what we do. You'll find if you visit or attend a lot of churches that it's about making you feel good about where you are right now and making you feel okay and just trying to encourage you to an easy and convenient, very simple commitment that only requires just this little section of your life. And you can be a part of that church. You can be a Christian. You can be a believer, so on and so forth. Uh, that's not the philosophy or the theory or the driving force behind Life Church. This, get this point right now, this is the main point. This is a church that is going to be built off of changed lives. This is not a church that's going to be built off of interesting programs. Not a church that's going to be built off of slick marketing. It's not a church that's going to be built off of one person's personality. This is a church that's going to be built off of lives that have been changed. And people who are transformed have a tendency to be the best advertisers. What about the lady that met Jesus by the well? Jesus said, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. The one you're with now is not your husband. She said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. She had an encounter with Jesus. She walked away. She said, come see a man that told me all things, whatever I did. Surely this man is a prophet. Changed lives become the best method of advertising. And Life Church is a church that's going to be built on lives that are changed. That means Life Church is going to be made up of people, some of which used to be bound up with alcohol or drugs or any, any other number of sins of the flesh. People whose lives may have been a mess. But don't get the wrong idea. 
It's not built on just people whose lives were a mess. Also, it's going to be built on some people whose lives were all put together. And then God turned it upside down. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> Other priorities. God rearranged their priorities. This is a church that's going to be built off of changed and transformed lives. And in order for that to happen, we can't preach easy believism. We can't preach convenient uh, Sloppy, agape, candy stick religion, if you know what I'm talking about, if that makes any sense to anybody, maybe not. But there's got to be preaching that is anointed by God, where people's, uh, where, where things that uh, are, are in the Bible, that the Bible teaches against, have to be declared. The Bible shares with us that this is the way of the life that you're supposed to lead. That's the kind of things that are shared. And sometimes if you're going to go to a church, if you're going to be a part of a church that has changed lives, when you come to church, you're going to feel a little uncomfortable at times. That's just, that just the way it is. You know? I, I, I saw somebody that put, posted this on, on Facebook. And they said, uh, said, live however you want to. Because those people who mind don't matter and those people who matter don't mind assess that right now the people that mind the way that you live don't matter and the people who matter in your life don't mind the way that you live and I wanted to post on there you got it upside down the people who matter in your life are the people who mind what direction you're taking you imagine that as a parenting philosophy Hey, if you want to be a good parent, good parents are the parents that don't mind. Live however you want to. Do whatever you want to. Thank God I wasn't raised in a home like that. No telling where I'd be today. I was raised in a home where they minded. Amen. And a church, a church that is going to be made up of changed lives is a church that preaches the truth in such a way that you recognize that there are some things Amen. That I need to change because of what the Bible teaches, because of what the word says. There are some changes in my life to happen in order for us to be that kind of a church. And we've got to have the demonstration of the Holy Spirit like we did today. Because I'm sorry, but lives are not changed when you come into a setting and you follow the liturgical protocol of three hymns and then uh, everybody bow down for a second onto your knees and do whatever. Everybody get up. And now we're going to do this. And then someone gets up and gives a, 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 an inspirational speech. And then everybody nods their heads and said, that was interesting. I learned a lot today. And then they walk out. No demonstration of the Spirit of God. No power of the Holy Spirit showing up. Amen. You may leave with a little bit more information. I'm going to tell you, if I, if I need that, I'll just go read a book. Come on, somebody. When I come to the house of the Lord, I want the anointing of the Spirit to cut through all of my resistances. To get through all of this flesh, amen, that I've been fighting all week. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You come into the house of the Lord, you don't feel like worshiping. <laughs> you, you don't really feel like worshiping. I've been there. I mean, I'm there a lot of times. What do I feel like doing? I feel like critiquing. I feel like just sitting back and chilling. I feel like counting the minutes till 2 o'clock. Whatever I feel like doing. 
But I don't feel like worshiping God. But when you begin to really break through and worship God, something begins to change on the inside that's more than just a little bit more information. It's transformation. It's the move of the Holy Spirit. And Life Church is a church that will be built on changed lives. Amen. Transformed individuals. So the Bible makes it clear that uh, Jesus gave the big two commandments, the big three, I might say. If you wanted to sum up, how much time do I have, Sister Brown? I see you looking at my watch. Huh? Five minutes. Okay. She said ten minutes, but somebody back there, one of the kids said five minutes. The big three. Jesus said, they, they said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, strength. So that's it. And he said, the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That means treat him like you want to be treated. That means care for him and show respect to him. Be compassionate towards people. Love your brothers and sister in Christ. Uh, at one point, it says this. Ha- Jesus said, "This shall by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, because they see how much love that you have for the other disciples. You're concerned for one of you. Love like family. You love like self. You love like self. So love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. But the third one is what I w- what we call the Great Commission. Jesus' final words. He commanded his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to notice this. Jesus did not command them to go build megachurches. Right? He didn't command them to go start television ministries and make lots of money. Well, they didn't have TV back then. No, but understand what I'm saying. He commanded them to go make disciples. What does that mean? That's real simple. It means Jesus said, I want you to go with the power of my spirit, working together with me, and make change lives. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who could be from any any background you can imagine. They could be obsessed with hobbies. They could be obsessed with schooling, career. They could be obsessed with pleasure. They could be trapped in, in, in bad habits. Whatever background you want to imagine. I mean, we, we, we don't have like a, a, a set, predisposed concept of what a disciple raw material looks like. It can be anything. Any color, any language group, any background. But something happens and they're transformed. And we read about it. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you make disciples, you make people that are transformed and changed. People that used to be wrapped up in everything else that you can imagine. Amen. But now they're wrapped up in Jesus. Juan, I remember when I first met you, you were more interested in football than you were in Jesus, weren't you? Amen. But God's transformed and changed you and put an appetite inside of you. I could go all through the room and point to people who the Spirit of the Lord has turned their priorities upside down, turned them on fire for Him, and made them disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. At Life Church, at Life Church, we are a church that is going to be 
built off of transformed and changed lives. Our process is connect, grow, serve. Connect people to God. Connect them to the church family. That's why we're doing life groups. Because it's not enough for you just to have an encounter with God. You've got to become a part of the family. Amen. Right, 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 right. Somebody gets a Holy Ghost, they're a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Bible says you're born again. And nobody's born again as a full-grown person. They're born again as a baby. You're born as a baby. How many of you are glad you can't be born as an adult? You're born as a baby. And all the mamas said, Amen. You're born as a baby. And so you take a baby, and a baby without a family is not going to survive. A baby without someone to be there to nurture, to care, to love, to encourage, to meet needs. And so that's why it's so important at Life Church that not only do we get you connected to God through the new birth experience, but also connected to other members of the body of Christ. And I've watched it time and 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 time again. People that refuse to connect to Life Church through life groups, you don't see them. A year later, they're gone. And if you want to grow, if you want to get your roots in and spiritually thrive, get connected to a life group. Everybody said amen. amen. And then you'll begin to grow. And then, of course, our, the final connect, grow, spiritual growth, and then serving. That means meeting needs with love. That means taking blankets down to people in the mission and, and picking people up that have needs and seeing lives transformed through whatever gifts that God has given you. Charlie and myself, we've gone out and ministered to people who, uh, 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 who are shut in. And, and, and God's gifted brother Charlie with his hard work of becoming a medical doctor. And he's able to minister to them in a way that I can't minister to them. And, and meeting needs with love. That's what ministry is. It's about finding an area. Where can I serve the body of Christ? Where can I help God's people? Amen? Praise the Lord. And our church's purpose is also to build strong families. Strong families. That means uh, we, we want people to learn how to handle their finances the biblical way, right? We want to teach people to raise their children the biblical way. Teach people to ha- how to have biblical, scripturally proper marriages. Amen? And therefore, we will have strong families. We want to have strong youth program, strong children's ministry program. And finally, I just want to say this. God uh, wants you individually to have a vision for your life as well. To not just settle for things the way that they are. But whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your effectiveness or ministry, whether it's weaknesses and shortcomings you have that you know keeps you from, uh, keeps you from being effective for God. Do you want to just stay there your whole life? Or is there something inside of you that says, I can see a preferred future. I can't accept things the way that they are and just settle for the rest of my life and live here with this broken down fence and paint peeling on the walls and carpet rubbed bare in my life. I'm going to get up. I'm going to work. I'm going to put some effort into it. I'm going to have a vision that things can be better and God can use me. God can use me. This church will be built on changed lives. Last thing, I met, uh, well, not met, it's somebody that I've known for a while, I had a great deal of respect for, but I heard his story this week, uh, Brother Bruce Howell, who was a missionary to El Salvador, had three children, and they had a tremendous revival in El Salvador. And uh, to make a long story as short as possible, this brother, Brother Bruce Howell, is a powerful man of God 
who now has oversight of the Foreign Missions Division of the United Pentecostal Church International. I believe we're in 192 nations, missionary presences in 192 nations, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of churches and constituents worldwide. He strategically works together with these church leaders to focus on nations where we're not yet. A great man of God, preached every conference you can imagine, been used of God in a mighty way. And he stood up before us and he said, told the story of a little boy that was raised in a home that did not go to church. That his, he had to endure watching his stepfather beat up his mother. His mom had been divorced five times. At times he would have to sleep in the car. He had no influence in his life to direct him toward Jesus Christ until someone came to the door and knocked on the door. He was a 17-year-old boy, and they said, you want to go to church? He said, yeah, I'll go to church with you. Talk about a future that looked pretty bleak. He was probably going to, in all likelihood, fall into the same pattern of his parents. But instead, God's given him a wonderful family, a lovely wife, three kids. One of his daughters is the pastor's daughter at the United Pentecostal Church in Van Nuys, doing a work for God there. One of the son is the youth president in Louisiana District. Uh, another daughter is, uh, my, is used of God in, in, in the headquarters in, in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. But here's the point. The point is this life was changed through Jesus Christ and through the gospel. And our church is going to be built on lives of people that were going the wrong direction, that had no destiny and no future, nothing to look forward to until they came in contact and encountered Jesus Christ. And God said, you know what? I've got a brand new vision for your life that you never even realized. But I had it planned a long time ago. <laughs> you didn't know it, but I had it planned for you. And there are people all through this community, all through our area and our region around, who are going to be part of this church this time next year. And I'm excited about it. I want to be a part of reaching one of those touching one of those lives and impacting one of those lives because this church is moving forward and it's moving forward because it's going to be built on changed lives. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Amen. So thankful for the work of the Spirit and the lives that have been impacted today. And as we leave, I want us to pray together for our church because we want God's direction and His anointing. We don't want to make missteps. We want to step as ordered by His Word. His, his word being the lamp to our feet and the light unto our path. Also, before we pray in final dismissal, I want to remind you that there are prayer times here at the church this week. During this time of fasting, I encourage you, don't just make it a diet to lose weight, but let's focus in on drawing close to God. There's prayer here at 8 o'clock Monday night. We had a powerful time in prayer last week, Monday night at 8 o'clock. And that will be happening again. And then before church on Wednesday at 7, we'll be in prayer again. And then uh, Friday morning, there are a group. There is a group that meets here. Brother Marvin, do you still, guys still meet here at 10 o'clock Friday morning? 10.30 on Friday mornings if you want to come by. And then for all the men of Life Church, at Friday night at 10 o'clock, uh, a time of prayer together, a prayer vigil, uh, where we just kind of focus on nothing else but Jesus Christ. And uh, then next Sunday, we're going to be together again, of course, Wednesday night, uh, Bible study. Next Sunday, we're going to have a, a, a powerful guest evangelist that's with us. I'm so excited. I've heard so many things about uh, this minister, and uh, he and his family are going to be with us on Sunday. You don't want to miss it. Let's pray for our church. Dear Jesus, we thank you today for the gospel, the good news about your death on the cross and your blood that was shed 
to purchase our salvation. Jesus, we lift you up. We exalt you and we honor you. We praise you, Jesus. We give thanks to you, Lord God, for the good news, Jesus, that gives us a reason to wake up in the morning. Lord God, we pray right now for our church. Jesus, we want this church to be a shining light and an example in this community because of lives that have been changed. We pray, Lord God, that you would anoint us, give us spiritual insight and vision and direction for the future. We pray right now specifically for our building project. You understand and know clearly the needs that we have. Jesus, we are seeking to execute your plan. We're trying to find your will and follow it. God, we pray that you would open doors of provision for finance. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us a a favor with the uh, uh, leaders in the community, those leaders in the building and uh, planning department, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, that you would continue to move upon the hearts of the people of God to give generously, to give, Lord Jesus, beyond what's comfortable. And God, we pray most of all, Lord Jesus, that when we move into this new building, when we step in there, that your unction and power and anointing would be with us and we would continue to put you first and honor you and give praise to you. Thank you, Jesus, for those that received the Holy Ghost today. Thank you for those lives that were changed today. And thank you for the power of your spirit. And everybody said, Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.